Now, one of the biggest political news from our friends across the Pacific Ocean, the ouster of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, basically the number one top dog in American legislature. Now, this is the first incident of its kind because previously we have seen speakers resign, speakers uh, forced to resign because the party have changed. So joining me today, Lyra. Hello. And Lyra, we did an episode on the appointment of Kevin McCarthy, February 2023, right? Yes. And now today we want to talk about this, but more importantly, I think we want to talk about how it relates to Malaysia because, you know, today we are not really diving deep into the American politics, but the, the first thing that really kind of, now maybe before we go into the, the emotion that sort of inspired us to do this uh, week's episode is maybe just give a little bit of background on McCarthy Outster, right? So to understand the whole story, we had to go back to February 2023. And, you know, we have co- we had the American Congress basically uncontrolled spending for decades. And suddenly the populist movement put the different congressmen in, someone like Matt Gates who wanted true limited government. And so you remember the whole story, we talk about how McCarthy had to go through so many rounds of voting, right? I think close to 20 rounds. Yeah, and it was like people were like, this was unprecedented. But they did eventually elect him, but on a few conditions. And those are very stringent conditions. The first one, of course, he promised there will be no more omnibus legislation. Omnibus, basically, you put everything in, a few thousand pages, you know. For example, you want to fund the security or the war, and then the other side say, let's fund Ukraine also, let's fund LGBT also, etc., etc. So you can't separate the issue. You have to support all the issue or none. So they promise not to do that, and sometimes it's called single-issue appropriations. Uh, then the most important one is they allowed the rule to allow for a single-vote motion to remove the speaker. That means anyone from the Republican conference, if they put a proposal to remove the speaker, it will be put to vote. And that time we were talking about it and we find it quite interesting that McCarthy would even agree to that. But he really had no choice at that time. So, so Lara, what's your reaction to the whole thing? Now, we, we kind of discuss about the, the Malaysian angle, but before that, just generally, what, what do you... Was this... Expected or unexpected for you? Well, actually, I was thinking if Kevin McCarthy did purposely sort of challenge Gates to, well, you know, put forth a motion to really force him out of this. Because obviously, I think Gates was a bit undecided also in the sense Mm. that he didn't think that actually they would garner so much um, Democrat votes to really just cause that whole speaker to be removed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think the events leading up to that motion will really help us to, to understand because some of you may be reading. Now, we want to encourage you that if you are interested in American politics, don't read the mainstream media, you know, because what they report are really from establishment from a globalist point of view. Now, of course, we are not going to tell you which publication to read also, may, maybe not this time. Uh, <laughs> but, but if you have been watching our show, you, you kind of get some hints and drifts, some of the other alternative media that will give you a different point of view. But anyway, the whole story was that if you've been reading the news, the American government are heading into shutdown. Why shutdown? is because the job of the Congress is to approve budget. So when there's no approval, the government will have to stop. 
Now, of course, it doesn't mean the whole government stop, but some of the non-essential stuff will stop. The essential things, of course, will continue. Health, military, defense. So McCarthy managed to broker through what they call a, a CR, continual resolution. That means the government will continue for 45 days. But what's significant about this CR was that it was voted with significant help from the Democrat, yep. from Nancy Pelosi and Gann. And many people, almost 100 Republicans voted against this CR. And now this CR was very vexing to a lot of the congressmen who wanted to limit spending because it included things like more funding for Ukraine. So I think one of the poll, national poll already showed that more than 70% of the American public are against more funding for Ukraine. Not because they hated Ukraine or anything. There simply isn't enough money for their own domestic use. Mm. So, so that's a whole thing. So anyway, I, I think going back to Gates, you mentioned that he was a bit uh, too minor. I think it was, the ironic thing was he thought he didn't want to do it because the Democrats might come out to rescue McCarthy. <laughs> and how ironic, every single one of them voted against him. Yes. And so, but anyway, the, this was the background. And then you started to see the reaction from many of the congressmen and they start to accuse Gates of not being a team player, of being selfish, of being a spy for the Democrats. And so, so the whole thing is there's an issue that some say he's not a team player, you shouldn't trust him anymore. So Lara, here's the thing. I, I think now we start to see the tension between a congressman and elected representative, their allegiance. Is his or her allegiance to the party or to the voter? What, what say you? Well, honestly, I think it should be a scenario of both. I mean, if we look at McCarthy, right? I mean, his strength is really that he was able to get a lot of funding. Mm -hmm. I mean, for to run an election campaign, we just know that you need millions. And we're not talking about just one million, two million. You, you need probably like something like 300 million. And McCarthy is one that can really rally behind those sort of support. I mean, whether or not we like him as a speaker, I think that's besides the point. But he does have that, those sort of capability to really just cause donors to really just come out and put in mm -hmm. the money for the campaign. So we are talking about next year, that 2024, there's going to be election that is ongoing. I mean, the presidential election. So you need a lot of money for that. So I think for certain reasons, I would say that it's a scenario of both. It's because for this sort of thing, you do need the party support to really just cause a campaign to work. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I would say that there's pros and cons. But also on the other side, I felt like I mean, given the scenario back here in Malaysia, I mean, with the uni party, <laughs> I, I think people are a bit unhappy. Um, people are probably running out of patience with the performance and things like that. So if you continuously use the reasons of, oh no, I have to stay loyal to the party, I've stayed loyal to the uni party, I think that's a bit of a... Well, I would say voters might not be happy to listen mm. to it. So I think that there should be moments whereby you are really there to serve the people? Yeah, it just kind of reminded me of what political analyst Wong Qinghua was commenting because he said, look, unlike the American systems, we do not have, we do not have a lot of ways to mitigate a non-performance. For example, we can't just send someone to have a primary. You know, in, in United States, every two years, the Congress go into elections and anyone can challenge the incumbent to represent either of the main parties. So that's called primary. So here is like you put, you vote for someone you're stuck with him or her for five years, so I guess it's it's really very different system. 
But do you feel like in Malaysia, we are starting to see, I mean, the, the Westminster system has always been very huge on party disciplines. You know, they, they even have uh, a specific post, a very senior person will be called the, the party whip. So basically whip you to make sure that you are in line with the party's uh, position. And, and I think about the, the most whippy party in the whole Malaysia will be DAP. Yep. And you go outside and they will say you're out, you're out. So, so they, I mean, would you say it's fair to call them they are more into the collective? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think they are very much um, a communal sort of party. We the one are many or whatever. Yeah. Because, it, I mean, the moment that you see how the moment that we have the, the formation of the unity government, they, they are very, very quick to just come into line and say, look, we are going to rally all our support behind. Oh no, I mm -hmm. mean, barring aside all the things that they have said prior to the election. Yep. So, I think that just really shows that they are also politicians and mm. they're really just going behind and wh whichever thing that works, then that story will sell. Yeah, yeah. Now, we'll, we'll come back more to, to Malaysia in a while, but let's come back to what Gates did, right? And, and, and of course, the, the whole situation was every single promise Kevin McCarthy made, he didn't fulfill. Not a single uh, single issue appropriation still omnibus and basically uh, I think le days leading up to it McCarthy basically there gets you, you put out a motion and see if you will be successful or not and he did and, and, and that's why once I was just reading a news and say you know once the, the motion was put and they vote I, I think it was to the surprise of the Republican conference that it was successful and after that I think they say oh, everyone go come down go back and one of the congressmen from Republican was saying if they had continued, they would be fist fight already because they were so outraged. But I just find it very hypocritical for them to be outraged because here is the political elite class. They have caused the country to go into a debt in the region of, I mean, different people have different calculations, but some say 40 trillion US dollar. That means the interest payment in the next few years will be 1 trillion per year. Think about that. 1 trillion. I don't think Malaysia combined GDP in their entire existence is more than one trillion US dollar. So America have to pay interest per year just on our debt. So it's like, it, it, it's like, I, I think, I, I will feel that Gates was pushed into this and he was really outraged. But here's the thing, what, you know, we can learn a lot from the reaction of the mainstream media. Now, you have heard us say a few times already, right? We are not really huge into mainstream media because we know they serve a political master, they serve the globalists. We don't want to sound like a conspiracist, right? <laughs> I mean, we are not a conspiracist. But I think here's our observation and you can test it out. If you see the mainstream media all rallying around a single issue, that means they are for a single issue, then highly likely they are rallying, they are trying to support their, their master. So the reality was that Gates was attacked by maybe 99% of MSM? <laughs> Very much so. I mean, all the media is really just showing that he has been left-right bombarded by all these people. And then I think even there the are threats that are saying that they are, they're going to really just cause this eight Republicans who really cause this, the Freedom Caucus guys to, yep. to be voted out also. Mm, they want to exclude them from Congress. And, and to, to show you how significant that is, in the entire history of the United States, not more than 10 members of congressmen have been expelled from the Congress. Not more than 10 in their entire 200 plus history, years of history. 
So that is something happening, right? And but I just felt like I think he he had stirred the hornet's nest, uh, so probably he's doing something right. Well, I mean, do do you reckon that what he does is there some sort of similarity with Sight Sadek? Yeah, maybe, but the only thing is, uh, I mean, you know, people say, you know, people are framing that, oh, he is working with the Democrat. But the way I see was that he used Democrat. It's like he knew that Democrat would hate anyone, whether it's McCarthy or Jim Jordan, regardless of who is nominated, they would rather themselves to become the speaker. So really, I think in the end, if Jim Jordan became speaker, then the... I think the Democrats might regret this. <laughs> yes. so, so I think it's a bit different because this single vote motion to remove Speaker was specifically brokered by Gates for his single vote to support McCarthy. So, and he used it. So I don't know. Is he being prophetic to be able to foresee that he would need to use it s- several months later, nine months later? Uh, I mean, I just felt like... That's why I remember in that episode, we talked about why you have this vote. And a lot of people are very strange and they'll be like, wow, who can be the speaker? Anyone can remove you. Well, it's because you promise to do the thing. If you if you do what you promise, nobody will challenge you. Yeah, I think Gates really showed something, like something that is very ethical in a sense that he held his speaker to the promises that were made because these were the, broker, these were the promises that were brokered back in January and February. So that's the thing that they were holding him accountable. So I think that's really what is lacking here in Malaysia. Mm. Because yes, we have the party whip and things like that. But then at the end of the day, Gates really demonstrated that sort of ethic that he is answerable first to the voters. Because yes, despite the challenges that he might be facing within his own party, what he demonstrated was that, hey, I'm answerable to my voter. Just to remind our viewers and listeners, this event was historical because never before a speaker where the party holds the majority has been kicked out through a vote. So the last one, John Bonier, he, he wasn't kicked out because they couldn't pass the legislation. He decided to resign. That was different. This was the first time the majority party speaker got kicked out. <laughs> Unprecedented. But now let's look at one of these articles and I think we're going to kind of pivot back to Malaysia. And now this is a very recent article by uh, Miriam Mokta. It's called The Effect of NEP on National Psyche. Okay, now we're not going to talk about NEP so much, but I'm interested in the introduction because, and here's the thing which really captured, you know, the, uh, the, the, the idea and the, the emotion we want to convey out today. And he's, she started with this. Which prime minister is brave enough to bell the cat? Ding, 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 and remove the new economic policy, especially as the Malay elite are known to be its main beneficiaries. Now, we talk about it a few times, but wow, she put it as clear as day, right? And now, of course, whenever we say Malay elite, we have to always plus croonies, MCA, MIC, GPS, etc., etc. Now, we, we talked many times already, we are not in the business of always looking in the past, always cannot forgive and move on. That, that's not the purpose. But the fact that we are still talking about NEP and Malay elite is because the policies still continue. So, so what do you reckon? You know, it, it, do, you, do you agree that the elite are the main benef- beneficiaries? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, who else you do see? I mean, over the last, really, I mean, even if you just look at all the articles and even the development of Malaysian economy, you really see that 
there is just a certain group of people that really, really benefited from it. I mean, you're talking about GLCs. You're mm -hmm. talking about like certain groups that are just too big to be named. I mean, the conglomerates, a lot of them, they are Malay elites. Yeah, and the, the thing about, of course, Malay elites, they are at the forefront. They are really the, the name that get the shares, the, the equity and things like that. But I, I mentioned the croonies also because the, the non-Malay elite also flourish. When I say flourish, benefited from, from the whole thing. And, and I, I kind of look at that description and, and think about what Gates was doing because he was really fighting the elite, uh, you know, the economic elite, the, the political elite, because you mentioned that one of McCarthy's strengths was fundraising. He, he was called a fundraising machine. But where do you think the money comes from? See, see that, that's why in, in US, one of, the, one, of their, one of the worst political... I mean, they have many good political points, but one of the worst was really their lobbying. Their, their lobby... It, they call the lobby an industry. Basically, you, you need an entire industry to, to go and fight for laws that will be beneficiary, that will be beneficial to the companies and things like that. So that's why one of Donald Trump's uh, proposed uh, restriction is that if you are a congressman, you are a senator, you work for federal governments, you work for any part of government, the, within, the, within the first five years after you, you left your position, you are not allowed to be in lobby business because you still have the influence and things. After five years, well, it's okay because maybe your, your influence will be diminishing already. I, imagine you are ex-cabinet uh, minister, you are ex-senator. The moment you retire, you still have the greatest amount of influence, right? So, so that's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, people, a lot of people are just thinking that the moment that McCarthy is being ousted, that's it. Like, that's the end of him. But people still have to understand that he has tremendous influence I mean, he still has like 100 over Republicans that are really just behind him because he has to give his blessing. I mean, even if Jim Jordan is going to be um, because he just put his name on the table and even him, he also has to get the approval and blessing from McCarthy and then the whole whole team is going to just rally behind him. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to be in ob obscurity. I mean, I remember the, the last establishment speaker Paul Ryan, right? Now he's like a board member of Fox and very, very anti-Trump. And so, so that's the thing that they still have influence, um, especially right at the point they're exiting, their, their influence don't just be gone, right? Well, actually that brings to my mind, I mean, speaking of McCarthy, I mean, I really can't help but just think about the influence that our deputy prime minister has as well. I mean, I mean, obviously he has some, he's able to pull some strings, you're talking about Padilla? No, no, no you're talking about Zahid. Zahid yeah, yeah, I mean, people are as unhappy as they are. He still has his own strength in terms of some of this. The fact that he was able to rally support. I mean, him being the president, I mean, of course, that itself already yielded much influence. But I, I guess I'm, I'm more for the position whereby you, you previously mentioned in our previous episodes and things like that, that the political persecution has to stop at mm -hmm. one point. And yeah. why can't, it stopped with him. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I mean, it's like even if, you know, some people are talking about the possibility of Najib uh, being free at some point. I, I mean, I always felt it's a given, you know, that <laughs> he, his sentence is kind of symbolic to say that no one is above the law, but what is the benefit of locking him up for 12 years? And I, I really believe that the moment, you know, people felt like he won't come back to politics anymore, he'll be, he'll be out.
<laughs> this is my uh, I mean I guess it's part of the, the whole mindset that we talk about that we should have a cutoff point and uh, otherwise it, it, it's like all the all the medieval all the all the kung fu wuxia stuff we watch right you know you kill my father so the next generation will come out and kill your father and then the next generation will come so it's a never ending vengeance kind of thing but we should have a kind of remind me of Hong Kong when they they started the the anti-corruption and, and they did draw a line and, and arrested the police chief and he was even brought to UK and think, things like that then after that I think they say they won't prosecute everyone else before so, so I think you, we should do that right Yes. But anyway, we want to come back uh, to o- almost our final point already. And it's really, what would be a comparable situation in Malaysia? In fact, that was what kind of caused us to want to do this episode, right? So imagine this. So now we have the unity government, right? Imagine a few member of parliament from unity government. They all decided to work with Prekata National. And somehow they caused a significant parliament vote to be passed. So it could be a budget vote. It could be a no confidence against Prime Minister, all kind of things. And so, so that would be similar to what Gates did. But then, why would they want to do that? And the reason would be because the unity government had continually break their promises. So, so, so that's the thing. So that's why the, the reaction from a lot of the Republicans accusing Gates of being a traitor it's very similar to people saying, you want to destabilize the unity government, you want the green way to come, you want Hawang Adi to become prime minister. So immediately, I, I get that kind of emotion and unfortunately, I have to use this word, the self-righteousness of the party that no, don't need to be named. But I, I guess it, it's a whole gang in the unity government and also a lot of Pakatan Harapan supporters, unfortunately, because they are so afraid of certain things, they will be saying, it's okay, it's okay. So, of course, it hasn't happened yet. But if, it, if a Gates incident is to happen in Malaysia, it will be like that. And so, so what, what do you think? Do you think it can happen? Maybe. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, people have to right, really draw a cut off. I mean, not just to the political persecution, but <laughs> also a cut off to when are you going to justify the formation of unity government without any sort of performance. I mean, Mm. at the end of the day, you have to understand that, yes, although we have a voting system that comes every five years, it doesn't mean that people are not frustrated. People are not running out of patience just waiting for you to perform because how long more are you going to compromise? I'm talking about DAP. I'm talking about Pakatang Harapan, really the PKR leaders Mm. and things like that. I mean, because you, you can't be just wanting to have support without giving something in return to the public. And the very first thing, like we mentioned in the past few episodes, that really we want to see affirmative action being taken away. Then why not we start with local election and things Mm. like that? I mean, really just giving accountability back to the people and really, because I guess it's a bit of an oxymoron if on one hand you say we want decentralization, but on the other hand, you continuously want big government. Mm -hmm. You continuously want more spending and more spending. And and how do you do? You just be like Robin Hood, tax the rich, give to the poor. So I don't think that's a workable situation in Malaysia because obviously you want to have more investment coming into Malaysia. And obviously it has to be somewhat prosperous, even for the T20 group of people. So we're not just talking about Malay elites, where you still have a lot of other in me intermediary sort of T20s mm-hmm. that maybe just pass M, middle class, yep. and then just went into T, then suddenly <laughs> you say, hi, am I going to raise the tax? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you, you can try to help certain segment of society, but you can't 
Uh, I mean, basically, the, I mean, if you look at what, what's happening in America, it, is they are spending beyond their means. And in Malaysia, partially also, we, we are spending beyond our means. So when that happens, you, you kind of have to rearrange whatever resources you have. And that's one of the things I feel, you know, that Singapore is better than us. It, it's the way they are more disciplined in spending. I mean, they have so much more uh, national reserve than us, but still, they're kind of prudent when it comes to spending. And so, so I guess that, I mean, we have to give credit when it's due. Yes. And they are really much more disciplined than us. Because we, we kind of behave, I mean, Malaysia has been living paycheck to paycheck. I, I'm talking about at the national level, treasury. But anyway, that, that was what really uh, stirred Gates, you know, because when you think about 40 trillion debt, and now uh, I just look at some of the outrage again, and, and somebody was just commenting and say, look, you all were angry at Gates for removing a speaker who did not fulfill his promises. Where was your outrage when, when the Democrats control Congress, did many, many other things, when funding was not given to secure the border, when Obamacare came, uh, you know, very quickly, Obamacare basically came and, you know, government wanted to socialize the whole uh, medicine. And, and, you know, you need money if you want to give good treatment to everyone. Yep. You see, the whole thing is government, yes, can take care of your health, but basic level. You, you want additional benefits, then you have to pay for more. But what Obamacare did was that it tries to give additional care, including all the gender assignment, abortion to everyone. Then those middle class with good coverage will have to cover for them. So, so Lyra, let's say you have good coverage, you pay $8,000, US suddenly it becomes $70,000. That was Obamacare. And I think when, when I first heard about that, this explanation, it made sense to me. Because it's socialism. Take from everyone and distribute, and eventually everyone must have less. But anyway, where was the outrage? Where was the outrage when hundreds of billions were spent on Ukraine or other nations? And, and that's why I, I, I immediately came back to, to, to here and it's like if something like that really happened, you know, the, the scenario, the hypothetical scenario, it, it has not happened yet, thank God. But if it happened, then people will be saying the same thing. Where is the outrage when Unity Government continue to use sedition act, continue to push for Malay agenda, continue to defend affirmative action? I think they will have no way to hide. And that's why I don't hope for that to happen. I hope Prime Minister, we kept saying, right, we have great hope that he will do well because we saw the potential that he could. And I mean, he still has time, but and that's why Gates gave McCarthy nine months. And we said, look, I think Anwar should be given two years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, we're not here to draw artificial lines and things like that. I mean, he looked like he's going to be secure for the next four years. He, he looks like it. But still, you know, if they continue to break promises and this kind of event happen, people will be like, where is the outreach when you break all the promises? <sighs> but anyway, I mean, we want to end with this and, and we kind of put a title here, right? I mean, as voters, as citizens, we're talking about mindset, right? We have certain mindset. I mean, we talked about a few times already that we have to move away from big government now, now, Lyra, maybe just very quickly explain to our listeners and viewers why big government is not good. Well, big government means bigger funding, <laughs> bigger spending. I mean, especially because you do need like a lot of people to feed. Literally, I mean, we're just talking about really basic things like uh, 
a lot is, is of- Is it socialist or, or, or is it linked or, or they, are, they are quite separate, you think? Yeah, I would think that at the end of the day to satisfy this group of, I mean, we're talking about the general riot. I mean, to satisfy them, I mean, with the bigger government, I think it is really at the end of the day, it boils down to socialism mm-hmm. because- I mean, in order, I guess it's kind of like a vicious cycle whereby you continuously have to um, maintain the welfare of the people and then all this thing comes back to the government. So to, to maintain this welfare, you need bigger spending. To maintain this welfare, you need bigger spending. So it's really like, the way that I look at it, it's really like a vicious cycle. Yeah, like NAP sort of gave us a microcosm of the whole thing, right? I mean, it, it is, I mean it's quite wide, it's nationwide, but we, we have kind of, 30, 40 years of data already, you really call, I mean, it's not the Malay's fault, but you cause them to become entitled. And that's what Miriam Mota said in that article. Whether intentional or not, you cause the Malay to become entitled and you, as a result, you weaken them. She said that herself. And I think I couldn't agree more because when big government really, yes, socialists usually come in because it helps. It helps for you to become big government, but it's really the mindset that I know best. Yep. Uh, I mean, again, you know, we have to give credit when it's due. I, I would say the only successful big government, somewhat successful, would be Singapore. And, you know, there are many reasons, but, you know, I, we, I don't agree with that philosophy because if, if I have a choice, I don't want to stay in that limitation. But for a lot of people, if they are on that island, they will have a reasonably good life. You know, but, but that's not what I want. But they, they, they really encompasses big government I know best and to do that socialists have to come in because you need to give hand out and when people start to say you know it's like children right children I can't do this I can't do that and you know if you have a big government mindset you do it for them then eventually all of a sudden when they reach 18, 19 and you realize oh crap they have not learned anything because I've been teaching them that parents know best you know, it's the same, you know, by, by then they're useless already. So, so that's why socialist mindset, it seems like a relief at the time, right? Oh, we need more money, our government give you money. Oh, we cannot increase our petrol. Okay, everyone maintain it to ring it, what, 220, whatever. But then at some point, the money will run out. What would you do then? So this is a mindset. Okay, Lara, let's finish with this. Okay, I think enough ranting for the day already. So, so give us a few points how, how to shift away from the big government minds. I mean, we already talked about one which is having local election, but that's going to be quite far away, I think, because I, I don't feel both Unity and PNI in a mood to relinquish power because they're they are both a bit under siege, right? So, but what are the things? Maybe some practical things, you know? How, how do you, if, you know, maybe you can just give some tips, you know, encourage our viewers and listeners. How can we, I, I mean, I think we start with mindset first, right? Well, I guess first we have to break away from the mindset of entitlement. <laughs> I mean, I recently I was just listening to Candice Owen and she is she was at this Turning Point USA event and one of this, um, I think she's a transgender. So she just came out to me, what do you, so you're talking about paid events. So mm. this person who is entitled, so she is basically like first in the line to get, make sure that she has a ticket. So when she gets in and she was just asking her question of, so what do you, how, how, do you gonna, how are you going to convince us who are actively being traumatized by your presence here? You're, you're talking <laughs> about you yourself paying ticket to, <laughs> to listen to this. You have the choice of walking away and after school, you can just go back. That's it. So I like Candice Owens' reply. She said, well, 
life's tough. Get a helmet, man. So <laughs> li- literally, I would say that that's, I think that's the right sort of mindset that we should have. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, really, life is tough. I mean, no one is saying that life is easy. It's going to be smooth sailing. Yes, there were moments that it's going to be smooth sailing, but a lot of times it's full of challenges. But we, at the end of the day, we have to be of good cheer. I mean, at the end of the day, we really just have to view all this as challenges to grow and really just get out of that. But I think, I guess that really goes back to sort of the parenting that we have gone through. Mm-hmm. I mean, would we do our parents proud? Because if we are going to be that entitled brat and really just go around and shitting about every other thing, I think that's really a bad attitude to have at the end of the day because that's really the sort of things you you think just because you have worked long enough but you're being a very poor performance sort of worker and you say, hey, but I'm entitled to increment because that's inflation year of the mm-hmm. year. I, I don't think that's the right mindset to have yep. even as, as an employee. So really, I mean, that is the first thing that we really have to break away from it. I mean, because otherwise, how are you going to be prosperous? Otherwise how is everyone going to get a shot at really the pursuit in happiness? So really, I think moving away from entitlement mindset, that mm. is really one of the very, very first steps. I think that's something that each one of us can do. And yep. that's something that even parents can teach their children not to be entitled. Yes, you can. there's a way to love your children, but also there's a limit to how you're going to train your children up in the ways that they are going to live their life. Eventually, I mean, you don't want your children to become like nuisance to the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, somewhat related to, to what you were saying is, you know, one of the notes I put here is we have to learn to take personal responsibilities for our decision. And, you know, recently I was just watching a documentary, David Beckham's uh, documentary. It's very, very interesting because sometimes you look at him, you look at Porsche and you're like, oh, these people are so privileged and entitled. But then the, the documentary really painted a, a very interesting light that, you know, the, the parents were in the interview quite a lot and very often they will be there alongside him, but they kind of encourage him, look, you, you know, are you sure, you know, if you're going to do this, you know, when you want to move to US, when you want to go to Madrid and things like that, they, they ask him, are you sure? And basically, they let him decide, they are there to support him, but they want him to understand that there are consequences for every decision. And, and you know, he, he said, yeah, you know, there are consequences, you, you know, talk about the Argentina red card and things like that, that he has to live with that forever. But, that's the thing, right? We, we decide what we want and if it, it is a mistake, if we voted for something that turned out to be a mistake, then yeah, get another chance five years time, own up to your mistake and maybe... Move it, on. Yeah, move on, move on. <laughs> all right, so it's been an interesting discussion and I think that's all the time we have for today and I don't know, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Maybe a new speaker, maybe something huge in Malaysia and then we'll be up here to Well, report. I hope they're going to get a new speaker by next Monday. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think so. It lo- looks to be Jim Jordan, we shall see. Yes. All right, until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay.